Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all had an amazing 4th of July yesterday. Uh, I know we sure did. Really celebrated America's birthday in a stand-up way. Have all of our uh, our fingers. Nobody lost anything to the fireworks. Thank God. Kids had a great time. Um, just a, a great day to, to relax and celebrate America's birthday. So hope you all had a great time. And now we have a brand new podcast episode for you here today. We have my friend Doug Holmes from Downburst Cedars. So Downburst Cedars... There, it's a food plot cedar made spe- specifically for small seed, even distribution, plug and play, get it done perfectly every time type situations. Um, this, these are brand new cedars. These are made in northern Michigan, made here in the USA. And we talked to Doug about, you know, the whole history of this product and how it, you know, came from idea to coming to market here today so guys downburst is a partner of the habitat podcast and as always we try to give you guys the best products we can and downburst is one of those awesome high quality cedars they have a code hp10 at checkout guys we'll save you money at downburstcedars.com so be sure and we try to give back to the podcast um the listenership our our loyal audience and we love you guys so that's a great savings um code right there for at downburstcedars.com so be sure to use that we'll get right into it here with doug and this awesome new product that hit the market prior to uh getting into that episode i would like to thank exodus outdoor gear guys exodus has been a partner in the podcast for a long time these guys are deer hunting fools over there and they have great high quality equipment but today they are doing a 750 dollar giveaway they're teaming up with latitude outdoors latitude outdoors is another michigan company that uh specific you know specify no makes specific saddles for hunting they specialize in these awesome saddles i've been running the two-piece uh for the last couple of years great giveaway over at exodus go to exodus outdoorgear.com or just click the link below there's a link below it'll take you right there and you can win some carbon climbing sticks the lightest climbing sticks out there i believe one dozen of the new exodus nis arrows and a cell camera the exodus rival giveaway so all that head on over to exodus outdoorgear.com hit the link below i'll take you right there for your chance to win 750 bucks worth of stuff for this fall some climbing sticks a dozen arrows and a brand new cell cam pretty awesome giveaway and uh, tell them habitat podcast sent you but go over there check it out and click the link below take you right there all right i am still on the search for a property give you guys a little update i have not found a parcel that i'm ready to purchase yet um for my 1031 still working on that um appreciate those who are who are listeners who sent me some different um parcels for sale that's super helpful. Thanks for doing that. If you guys have any idea on something that's for sale, let me know. And um, trying to 
to get on to the next project here over at Habitat Podcast. So I know Brian's been busy. He was just um, putting some uh, urea on some screens on the Vitalized Test Farm down there. And um, he's, you know, working his butt off too. So guys, just if you're out there right now, enjoy yourself. It's hot, but trail cameras, great time to get those out. Um, that's pretty much what I've been doing is get ready for fall planting here pretty soon. So the Vitalized Seed Fall Mix is live for sale, vitalizedseed.com. Now the fall mix is up, shipping daily. So guys, if you place your order, they go that same day if placed before 1 p.m. If after it ships the next morning or the next day, I should say. So check it out, vitalizedseed.com. The fall mix, the carbon load is what that's called, carbon load. Now, if you guys tune in for a couple of weeks back, you had we had L. Temeshko on here talking about that but in this fall mix we have triticale oats hairy vetch bursine clover winfred brassica paja brassica winter wheat winter peas crimson clover fixation purple top turnip uh, fixation clover rye grain buckwheat chicory radish and barkhand turnip so guys we have multiple grains multiple brassicas multiple clovers all in this fall mix ready to be browsed hard ready to get that carbon in the soil for the spring nitro boost. Check it all out, all for sale right now. Vitalizedseed.com, fall orders are shipping now, in stock, shipping daily. Last but not least, guys, I want to thank acres.com. So I just upgraded to the, what do they call it, the premium level over on, on their website. So they have the premium, it's 30 bucks a month, and you get advanced data layers that you can't see in the free version. The free version is there. Uh, I had that for a while. That's pretty awesome too. But the premium is where it's at, especially if you're working in the land, you know, the land field. If you like land, if you're a real estate agent, um, if you're a broker, if you're an auction guy looking for the next parcel like me, uh, you know, you can search owner name and ID. You can look up comps in the area. You can look up farms that are for sale on there. Uh, the soil map is pretty awesome. I'm finding myself hitting that uh, insight pretty often. Um, there are also other insights on the map that you can use, you know, vegetation index, historical imagery, crop history, county rent prices, county yield, elevation, flood. There's all these helpful tools and it's a, it's an updated map. It's a beautiful feature, beautiful, uh, I'm, I'm using the desktop browser on this thing right now. So check it out, guys. It's um, acres.com, and they're a partner in the show here as well. And it's it's as all of our partners, great products. We do not partner up with anything that is lackluster uh, subpar. So acres.com, check them out. Tell them Habitat Podcast sent you. Click the link below. Take you right over there. All right, guys. We're going to get into it with Doug at Downburst Cedars. I hope you guys are all doing well. I'm going to be getting my fall food plots in, oh, within the next 30 days or so. Wait, waiting for some rain. Got to get back up north and um, get those get those in. Get the carbon load in the ground. So that's coming up. The rest of you, you know, good to see you on Habitat Chat. Appreciate that. Thanks for the guys emailing in who left us great reviews. All you have to do is email info at habitatpodcast.com. And give me your address, and I'll send you the free decal. They're arriving. I think they're arriving tomorrow. So we'll have a bunch of them coming out. And um, 
Look forward to getting those in your guys' hands. All right, enough out of me. Let's get into it. This awesome piece of artwork called the Downburst Cedar. We're going to hear all about these cedars. It's a piece of equipment right now. Thanks for listening to Habitat Podcast. All right, guys, we're back. We have Brian Hallbly on the other line. I think he's heading down to his lease right now. Um, and a very special guest today, Mr. Doug Holmes. How you doing, Doug? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Glad to have you on. Doug is uh, our brand new partner, Downburst Cedars. So happy to have you. And we're going to hear all about this product today. So, Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, let's, let's start with this. We always like to hear you know, about the guests. Um, where they're from, what they did for a living, all that fun stuff. Kind of paint us a picture on who Doug is and you know, how this whole sure. thing got rolling. Yeah. Uh, so Doug Holmes, uh, born and raised in Livonia, Michigan, down by Detroit. Uh, always been into you know tinkering, working on stuff with my dad. Uh, so went into mechanical engineering. So went to school up at Michigan Tech. Uh, met my beautiful wife, Stacy, up there. I uh, got married you know, pretty much like two weeks after we had graduated. Nice. Um, and then from there, we spent some time in kind of Ann Arbor area. My wife went to school at, at U of M, got her master's degree, uh, kind of worked in automotive uh, for next six years um, as an engineer. And then wife decided to go get her PhD and we went back to, to Michigan Tech. Um, so I was actually working up there at the QNR Research Center, which is kind of a sort of a private entity, not really private, but um, division of Michigan Tech that does a lot of like military contracts. Um, oh. So I was working on, you know, there was a, a war going on at the time. Uh, so doing a lot of just real quick turn, um, you know, solve a problem that they've got going on over there build something, test it and ship it out. So wow. that was a really cool uh, <laughs> part of my career. Learned a lot on just, you know, fabricating, like really, you know, the stuff was getting hit with explosives and <laughs> everything else. So designing things that, that can take a beating, I guess. Um, uh, so then once my wife graduated, we, uh, she got a job out in Denver. So we moved to Colorado and that was 2010. Um, so we were out there about 12 years and then just moved back to Michigan uh, about a year and a half ago. So, so that's kind of, yeah, the career path. Um, again, I had, you know, another mechanical engineering job out, out there, um, doing more like residential and commercial uh, security products, um, like door hardware locks, um, electronic locks, um, stuff like that. So kind of rounded out, I guess, my mechanical engineering background, you know, designing stuff that's that's built to take a beating and then also things that need to be very user-friendly and uh, I guess kind of obvious, um, you know, real easy user interface kind of thing. So, okay. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as hunting career, you know, I, my dad's been bow hunting since before there was compound bows. Um, my first bow, I think I started shooting when I was I don't know, 10 or 12 was actually one of his, you know, first recurves that he hunted with. And so I've been doing that pretty much my whole life. Um, I think when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, 
Um, he was able to buy, him and my mom bought a 75 acre piece in uh, Lake County. Um, so we started doing food plots there pretty much right out of the gate. Hired the neighbor with his tractor to, to put the fields in the first year and then got an old 1954 Alice Chalmers tractor to, to do it ourselves after that. So, so yeah, pretty much all through high school, um, did a lot of, you know, that was back <laughs> probably 30 years ago. So flying <laughs> was kind of a, a new thing back then. We, we didn't know what we were doing. We learned a lot pretty quick, but um, so yeah, then once I went to Colorado, obviously I kind of really got into the Western hunting out there. Um, really serious into bow hunting for elk, a little bit of mule deer hunting. Um, and then, you know, during that whole time, my dad was kind of, he had sold that property, bought an 80 um, that we have now. It's in Osceola County. Um, and then, yeah, so I was you know, when I'd come back for a week vacation in the summer, I'd help them out with some stuff, but it was probably a good 10 or 12 year period there where I didn't really do much in the, the food potting world. Um, so that kind of gets us, yeah, to, so in 2017, unfortunately my dad passed away. Um, and so my brother, my brother Matt and I kind of took over, you know, managing that, that hunting property. So it was, I was basically flying in on weekends to try and put food plots in. And, you know, <laughs> obviously I have no idea what the weather's gonna be when I had to book my <laughs> plane ticket. So you can imagine that didn't always go very well. Um, and that's kind of what spawned you know, Downbear Cedars was, was getting pretty frustrated with what was available on the market to try and get this done on a set weekend, regardless of the weather, you know. The ground we've got there is like a, I think it's sandy loam but there's a lot of clay in it and if it's too dry it's concrete if it's too wet you can't do anything with it <laughs> so yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of messing around i guess but um so yeah i think the the thing that really kind of spurred me on with this was you know i had flown in for a weekend spent all day saturday and half the day sunday just prepping the plots you know we've got seven acres of plots and it's split pretty 50 50 between uh, perennials and annuals. And uh, so, yeah, I basically got, you know, I think it was a two acre plot we were doing that weekend, all prepped, ready to go, filled up the little hand broadcast cedar with, I think we were doing clover to redo our, our perennial plot there, and proceeded to get, you know, about 200 yards, and I was out of seed. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell I haven't done this in a few years, you know, kind of <laughs> lost the touch for the hand seeder. And that was, you know, something that really like, man, there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, that, I mean, yes, you can get it done. It does work, but obviously it takes practice and a little finesse. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess me being a mechanical engineer, I'm like, eh, I don't really like practice and finesse and getting a feel for it. I'd rather just have something I can just set the seed rate exactly what it needs to be and go do it and be, you know, hundred percent confident that it's going to get, that it's going to be perfect. It's going to be exactly what I was wanting to put down. And yeah, so, so that, I think that would have been like 2018. Um, and then, yeah, I started tinkering in the garage, kind of had some ideas on, on how to 
basically make a really accurate small seed spreader. Um, I should bet. I mean, I did, I did look at, you know, what was available out in the market and there's just, you know, my dad had, we still have, you know, like a 35 horse new Han tractor, which, you know, it's a nice tractor. I think it's, you know, pretty good size. Um, and I was pretty surprised to find out that, um, you know, if you're looking at a three point implement, pretty much everything out there was too big for it, you know? So I was, you know, almost ready to spend like $10,000 on, on a drill of some sort. And then I got to the point where it's like, well, that thing weighs, you know, 2,050 yeah. pounds or whatever it is. And our tractor can only lift 1,800, you know? So it's like really not going to go buy a bigger tractor just to get something to make that easier. So, so yeah, that was kind of the impetus of it. You know, what kind of got me started um, looking at this. No, I mean, this, you, you fly in from Denver, <laughs> poor guy. And you, you 200 <laughs> yards into your food plot, you're out of seed. I mean, if I was to say that I've never put on the wrong amount of seed before, I'd be lying. And probably a lot of people probably have had that, that happened to them. Right. Especially clover and brassicas where they're so tiny. Um, yeah. Well, plus like, you know, all the time and money and then not have the results be exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know, plants when they're spaced out correctly, all perform better anyway. So, you know, you have, you have probably had a really nice 200 yard dense clover patch, <laughs> right? Yes. Luckily it was clover. So it doesn't really matter if you put it on way too heavy, but yeah, I mean, there was other times with, yeah, we do a lot of brassicas and if you put your turnips down too heavy, they're just, you're not going to get any bulbs, you know? So, yep. um, and then, I mean, the other piece of it too is, you know, trying to figure out year over year, like, okay, this came in really good or this came in a little light, you know, maybe I want to bump it up 20% next year, but because I really didn't know how much I put down, <laughs> you can't even begin to do that kind of thing. Right. Like, yeah. Did I put down eight pounds an acre or did I put down nine pounds an acre? So is it, you know, two more pounds next year or just one more pound, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if you don't know exactly what that seed rate is, you're not going to be able to, to kind of dial that in over time. So, so yeah, so let's, let's go down that road. That's, we got the story of how you got to your idea and the problem you're trying to solve here. Um, I guess, what is a downburst seeder? Let's start off there for people who haven't seen the Facebook or the yeah. Website. Yeah. Let's start off from the very beginning on what this thing is besides a pretty cool looking piece of art in my eyes. <laughs> I think super nice. Um, yeah, so it's a drop spreader and that's kind of where I landed, um, when I was doing all the research on what is out there today. Um, and you, I mean, right now there's basically two ways to put seed down. You're either broadcast spreading it, you know, basically on top of the ground or you're using some sort of drill to actually plant it into the ground at a set depth. Um, so if you're doing small seeds, which is primarily what we do 90% of the time. I mean, a lot of things will overseed with rye, um, but for the most part, it's a lot of clover and a lot of brassicas. Um, and so, you know, when I was looking at drills, it's like, well, yeah, I could get this and I'll get the seed rate control that I want, but do they even handle tiny seed? You know, a lot of them, you got to buy like small seed boxes to add on to be able to even do like white clover. Um, so I kind of, 
you know, between the price of them and the fact that I didn't even really know if it was going to solve my issue, um, I started looking at, you know, what else there is. And so, I mean, you know, broadcast spreaders, it's kind of the same thing. They're really, I don't know that too many of them are really designed to handle tiny seed. Um, you've got, you know, you read a lot about guys mixing the seed with sand or pelletized lime or other things to be able to spread it. And I didn't really want to have to try and go through all that hassle either. Um, and so really what I was looking for was a machine that you could set the seed rate and know exactly what you're putting down that could handle small seed. And the other thing is, you know, small seed, that planting depth is, you know, it'll say quarter inch max. And that's really, you're going to get really good germination just spreading it on top of the ground. Right. You really don't need to bury it. It's If you do bury it, you got to make sure it's not over a quarter inch or it doesn't have enough energy to, to break through that much soil. So I kind of quickly realized that I don't really need to put seed in the ground for what we're doing, brassicas, clovers. There's really no advantage, even the rye. I mean, it does pretty darn good when you just spread it on top of the ground before rain nice. as well, right? Yep. Um, so then I started looking at drop spreaders. Um, and there's you know quite a few that's pretty popular, like seeding lawns. So you can get, I don't remember any of the brands, a Gandhi, I think. You know, so you can get like a five or six foot drop spreader, toe behind with, you know, kind of a seed meter type setup, but not really. You know, you're still speed dependent. Um, and so, I, you know, I kind of keep realizing, yeah, there's just nothing out there. If you want to just spread seed and really be able to control the seed rate, um, there's really nothing available on the market that can do that today. And so that's kind of was my starting point. And that's why uh, downburst seeders are, are drop spreaders. So it's basically, you know, you've got like a five foot width of that drop tube and the seed is literally just dropping straight to the ground from, from the tube. So you're not broadcasting it out. It's basically just, you know, you're spreading a five foot uh, seeding width on every pass. Almost like a perfect yeah. carpet of seed. Yeah. And so, I mean, once you do that, once you limit it to that five foot width, now you can actually use a seed meter on the machine because you know, it's five feet wide, an acre, uh, an acre that's five feet wide is like 8,700 and some feet long. <laughs> and so now you know how much seed needs to come out for every turn of the ground wheel to get, you know, X pounds per acre on that, on that acre. So, um, so basically, you know, it's kind of a, a marriage between, you know, it's almost like a controlled broadcast spreader. So we're spreading the seed, but we know the exact width. And then we have a true seed meter on there with a ground wheel driving it. So you're going to get the exact rate that you set it to. It doesn't matter, you know, how fast you're going, how slow you go. Because of the ground wheel that, that drives it. Yeah, so that meter is constantly metering out seed. And it's all about how many turns of the wheel it takes to go one acre, you know, yeah. fast or slow. It doesn't matter what speed. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. I mean, if you go way too fast and I mean, it is gravity fed. So there's a, sure. there's a point where it can't, the seed just can't fall fast enough. Right. Gotcha. Yep. For any reasonable speed. I mean, I, I'm, you know, in the instruction manual, I would say maximum speed at eight miles an hour. Um, even if you're going at 10, um, you do start to get a little bit light on the seed rate. I mean, it's, like 5% light at 
10 miles an hour and spot on at eight. So <laughs> it's just like, well, we'll say maximum of eight. If you really are in a big hurry and want to push it, then you can do that. Probably won't notice too much of a difference in your field, but. Well, I think the the simplicity of it being able to hook, and it's pulled behind there. It's hooked up to the back of your um, side by side when I was there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that I definitely wanted something that was mounted to the machine and not like a trailer type unit. Um, you know, everybody's backed up enough short trailers to know that that's practically impossible, right? <laughs> you can jackknife it immediately. Yep. Um, and in our food plots on our place, they're, they're mostly small. You know, I've got seven acres of, and I think there's nine or 10 separate plots. Um, so most of them are a quarter acre or even smaller. Um, so yeah, trying to get a machine like that in there is, is tough when you're not able to throw it in reverse and get around things. So, so yeah, it's mounted to the machine. Um, the first one I built, I think, uh, the one that I've brought to market is like the eighth, eighth generation. That's awesome. Um, but, <laughs> The very first one was mostly plywood and PVC pipe, but uh, it was it went on the back of the tractor. It was a three point hookup, um, and then kind of once I started getting into it, it's like, well, you can get a three point adapter um, for your tractor to be able to put like a two inch hitch on the back. Which now that I have one, is extremely useful um, for all kinds of things. But um, so yeah, I pretty quickly decided, hey, let's just make this. Two inch receiver, most side by sides ATVs have that today. Yep. If it doesn't, there's a billion, you know, pretty cheap adapters that'll make it work. Um, so, yeah, the machine, it, it mounts to the machine. It's got an electric actuator that raises it and lowers it onto the ground wheel. And I mean, yeah, just like a drill, I mean, whenever that wheel's turning, it's, it's dropping the seed. So, so to start, you put it down. So it's on the wheel. To stop, you just lift it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome looking. Um, and like you said, everybody with a with a hitch. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys in here probably have tractors, but you know, I did. I've done all my plots for years, just ATV or small equipment. Um, yeah, to be able to get into those nooks and crannies in the woods and, and this and that. Yeah, that thing's thing's super helpful. And that you're also not dealing with. Um, are you working the ground up a lot first? Or are you walk us through the process of what you do to, before you use this thing? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing pretty much every method that there is. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we do, we do, you know, some full till. We've got a rotor tiller for the tractor. Um, and so a lot of the, you know, I, I've planted dozens and dozens of acres of test plots developing the machine. Um, and pretty much all of that, I just rotor tilled. Like, I, I basically made a perfect seed bed because I was really wanting to see how well does it spread? Is it, you know, are we getting blank spots anywhere? Any issues there? Um, so for that, I, I am doing full, full tillage. So rototill, call to pack, spread the seed, call to pack again, typically. Um, but I have been doing on, uh, you know, the actual hunting plots, you know, again, you know, up until a year and a half ago, I was 2000 miles away. So yeah, I was definitely doing a lot of, you know, no till, uh, we're, we're just, you know, spraying the field, spreading the seed, and then rolling it. Um, and I've tried it both ways, you know, spread it, then spray it, then roll it. And, you know, yeah, 
I'd say I've had mixed success over the years with that. Um, the other issue, you know, is just every year so different as far as weather and conditions. And it's hard to know sometimes, like, maybe this is the best way to do it. We just had a bad year. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Drought years now, too. All this-, <laughs> I, this spring has been insane. I, I can't believe. I think <laughs> I definitely had some, some total losses on our place this spring. Yeah. Just due to no rain. But um, yeah, so Bolt Hill, you know, you want to call it like poor man's no till or using yeah. herbicide to burn it down. Um, someday I'd love to get a uh, crimper and, and try doing it that way as well. I haven't gotten there yet, but um, and then we do, we do a ton of frost seeding. So that's another kind of whole area where this machine works great is you know, it's lightweight. You can put it on a quad. Um, I was thinking about maybe trying to do a video this winter with, with it on the back of a snowmobile. There you go. Spreading some seed on top of the snow. Um, but yeah, I mean, our property, again, it's typically so wet in the fall that when it's time to frost seed and you start getting that freestyle, they're like, there's no way we could get a tractor out there. We'd, we'd bury it. You know, you'd have to go first thing in the morning while the ground's still hard and try and get done before it starts to thaw even a little, you know? Um, so yeah, I did a ton of frost seeding with it. Um, and then I would say, you know, just kind of min till. Um, so running that rototiller, um, if we have got like a ton of thatch, uh, just try and break up that thatch, look at real light, I don't know, maybe one inch till, not even. Sure. And that actually works pretty well as well. So yeah, a little min tillage. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, Oh, looks like Brian has a question. Go ahead, B. Anyways, um, we'll work on his audio real quick. Now, the the way this drops the seed, though, it's not just like only gravity. Because like you have it spreading out to five feet. How do you get the even seed droppage? Yeah. When you got and the that's... tank in the middle and then it goes way out to five feet on both sides. How does that feed yeah. even? That's a great question. I realized I didn't even mention that aspect of it. Yeah, so it's using uh, a blower to spread the seed out that tube. So basically you've got, you know, the single seed hopper, like you mentioned, with a single seed meter, and then that seed falls into essentially an air duct. Um, so you've got high speed air that then blows it down to the ends of the tube. And that was, you know, I think, it, like I said, I started, kind of working on this as a hobby back in like 2018. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, this has been my full-time job the last two years. Um, and a lot of that time was, was dialing in that seed spread. Okay. Um, really didn't want, you know, a drill, if it's a 32 row grain drill, you got 32 meters on it. And all of that hardware, all of that tolerance builds up. Um, and I really didn't want to do that. So, so yeah, using the air to blow it down the tube is is really kind of the key to the machine that keeps it so small and compact and, and easy to work with. Um, yeah, it's pretty unique. But yeah, yeah, and I think you know, and that's that's something that I you know I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it because I think it might scare some people away, right? Like I've never seen this before. How does it really work? Does it really spread evenly? I mean, I could 
I, being an engineer, I would look at it and be very skeptical, right? So, yeah. I, like I said, I've spent, you know, two years full time developing that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be bringing this to market if it wasn't perfect. And it, I mean, nothing's 100% perfect, but I've got this thing very well dialed in. Um, and there's a, there's a video on the, on the Downverse Cedars Facebook page and YouTube channel that, that kind of demonstrates that seed spread and talks about the differences between it and broadcasting. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll keep a link to those videos in the show notes for this podcast too. So people can scroll down and get right to YouTube and, and see this bad boy. Um, Brian, do we get, do we have you now, Brian? I hope so. I had to uh, answer a bunch more questions from the computer lady. <laughs> Trying to keep this thing pretty encrypted. We don't let anybody in here, you know. I know. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you headed? How are you doing, Brian? No, I was, how's it going? Good. I'm um, headed down to the Vitalize Seed Test Farm in Ohio. Just going to uh, check progress, make some mock scrapes. Do a couple things like that. Awesome. Yeah, so I just had a follow-up question there. I've been able to hear you guys, but uh, thankfully got through to talk now. Uh, are you doing any type of cult packing with like a Packer Max or a, a Harrow or anything once you get the seed dropped? Yeah, yeah. So especially... Um, for clovers and uh, the really small seed stuff, I'm typically cultivating before I spread, and then again afterwards. Um, and we've got—I'm not even sure where my dad picked it up, but like an old—it's like a seven and a half foot wide two-row cultivator that, that does a beautiful job. So I've just never had any reason to replace it. But yep. um, yeah, I think that is really key, especially for the small seed stuff. Um, and then, you know, some of the other stuff when we're doing screens, um, that's another thing that this machine works really well for doing is, is like long, narrow strips of uh, Egyptian weed or sorghum. Okay. So on that stuff, since you do want that seed a little, you know, it would do better if it was planted and not just spread on top. Um, I'll typically just rototill, spread the seed, and then call to pack. And just that kind of extra fluff from the, just the rototill ground. Um, does a good job of, of covering that seed up. So, yeah, let's let's hit that then. While you're talking about the screens, uh, we recommend a lot of screens on our land plans. Um, we're doing two of those this morning. We were talking about screens. Um, what types of seed will this this plant? You have when I was there, you had like nine or ten, or you had all these containers where you do all your testing over the years. And um, can you? list like what seed blends or even the screening types grasses anything at this single plant yeah um so as far as screenings what we've tested so far um so egyptian wheat um just planting straight e wheat um does well now that you know that seed rate depending who you talk to you know it, sometimes you do want to do more than 30 pounds an acre and so that kind of, it just means you got to make two passes with the machine to get it down. So if you want to 
planted at say 40 pounds an acre. I'll just set it to 20 and then go over it twice. Um, I wouldn't want to do that on a huge field, but you know, when you're just doing a long narrow strip, it's pretty quick and easy. Yeah. Um, and then this year we did um, some sorghum Sudan grass. And I also did the Northwoods whitetail. Uh, I think it's just called pot screen. It's escaping me. <laughs> um, and that's like a sorghum probably, or so you have. I, I believe, yeah, it's a some variety of sorghum. Doesn't say which. Yes, yeah. yeah on, on your website, you you say it'll do switchgrass, Egyptian wheat, sorghum, Sudan grass, Timothy. Yeah. Um, so I've also been doing a lot of switch. Um, and it, yeah, it spreads switchgrass beautifully. Um, really? See, that's interesting. Really nice job. Yeah, there's that's that's probably a little niche right there, even you know. Yeah. Seeds pretty expensive, so to get it down accurately, it's pretty important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so those are the ones that I've done as far as screens. Um, I mean, as far as other stuff, you know, purple top turnips, rape. Uh, radishes chicory basically any clover <laughs> yeah um bird's foot trefoil alfalfa um timothy again alfalfa another expensive seed to be yeah you know, and i've got on my fall i've got a new um perennial pot that i'm putting in this year and i'm gonna try alfalfa i don't know if my ground is good enough um <laughs> But I think some alfalfa, a little bit of Timothy. And I'm, I'm even thinking about just mixing some bird's foot trefoil in with it because I think that trefoil will do better on, on poor ground than, than alfalfa. And it's a similar plant. But uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But so, yeah, basically, I mean, those are the seeds that I've tested to date. Um, and yeah, I mean, if anybody is interested, you know, I mean, I tried to hit kind of the big hitters of, of the small seed stuff that, that people plant for deer, but. Sure. There is a lot more out there. I just started with, I think that I had 22 different seeds. Um, That's pretty good. They've done the full calibration, you know, populated the C raid table with. So, um, so basically, you know, a blend of any of those uh, is pretty easy to do. Um, basically, you're just going to set the meter for whatever species is the highest percentage in your mix. And, you know, all of the mixes I've been doing, just doing it that way without calibrating it. Um, you know, I'm within half a pound an acre typically, um, wow. just using that. So, you know, of course I'm doing, a, I created this machine so you could know exactly what you're putting down, but, um, I realize not everybody has time or you forget a scale or if you're just not able to calibrate, I mean, you know, the beauty of having one single meter in the way that I'm, you know, adjusting that meter is, is very, very repeatable. Yep. Um, it allows you to get really close without even doing a calibration. So, yeah, we we were not, when I was there, you did um, you put the uh, the catcher. We we put some seed in there. We put the catcher on, and you turned it on, and it, it dropped the seed down, and you caught it all. And then we weighed it, and I don't remember what the numbers were exactly, but it was uh, within like what percent would you say of of error? I mean. It was yeah, so I think extremely accurate. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like point point one pounds off. So I and that was without even calibrating. Um, 
yeah, that one came out. That was probably only 1% off without even calibrating, but 1%. <laughs> and I, you know, I've rarely seen it more than 5% off without calibrating, but I don't want to, I don't want to overpromise and under deliver. So I'm saying, sure. you know, you can definitely expect less than 10% error. And I don't think I've seen much more than five <laughs> all the testing I've done, but you know, a lot of that too depends on um, the seed variability year to year, you know, moisture content, the size of the seed. Okay. Um, so I don't have enough years to really confidently be able to say what the maximum variation is going to be. So I've seen up to five, I think 10 is going to, 10 is going to cover it, but um, I think, yeah, I've got one crimson clover. I've got three years worth and I actually see less than a 1% variation from, you know, over those three years of seed. So again, it's, um, you know, the way the meter works and in the way I'm actually setting the meter opening is with a feeler gauge, which, you know, to, to anybody who's worked on a car engine, I mean, the only, the most accurate way to set a gap is with a feeler gauge. And that's what this uses. So it's, in, you know, incredibly uh, repeatable, I guess I would say. Yeah. It's like, it's like a little keychain, if you will, that you had and you popped it in there and, and adjusted it's all mapped out it's all ready to use brian had a question we, we just i think we just lost him he's in the back hills of yeah. and he his question was um are the drop holes adjustable in the tube are the drop holes adjustable and i think um i'll let you answer but i think you're the way you're calibrating with that feeler gauge is kind of probably the answer to that question yeah right so the seed rate is adjusted by the meter excuse me and it is um it is a, a fluted roller meter that's, I mean, it's been around for about a hundred years, um, used on almost every grain drill there is. Um, it started with that kind of basic design, obviously changed it uh, to suit this machine, but but yeah, so the seed race is adjusted via the meter. There really aren't any adjustments on the drop tube holes. Um, it's like an inch and a quarter spacing on the holes, um, the size of those holes. <laughs> And that spacing are all critical for the physics to, to have it spread properly. So yeah, no, you don't want to be taping off holes or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the point of this is you get a completely random seed spread, um, you know, versus a drill where you're planting in, you know, six inch rows or whatever your spacing set up as, but so this is going to put down, you know, a nice, even kind of completely randomized, even coverage of seed. That's pretty neat. It's, it's, I mean, not only does it look beautiful, it's aluminum. You weld it yourself. Like these are being hand built Northern Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you, wait, accurate. Yeah. And it's, looking. you know, I've dealt with enough rusty old farm equipment to not want to ever deal with rust. You know, <laughs> I've flown in for those weekends and spent half a day just getting every, all the machines working and greased and, you know, things that are rusted shut, spinning again. And I, you know, so yes, it's hundred percent aluminum guaranteed. It's never going to rust. Um, also makes it lightweight and, you know, really easy to move around. You know, just another benefit of this thing is, you know, you can literally pick it up with one hand and throw it in the bed of your pickup truck and take it anywhere you need to take it. It's very easy to move and which also makes it easy to store. Right. I mean, we've got, 
I know at our property, we've got kind of a graveyard of old farm equipment just spread all over the woods back at Polarn. And, you know, you don't have to worry about opening up a spot in your, in your barn for a big piece of equipment to keep it out of the weather. That's a, that's a great point. Where are you getting all the materials and stuff to, to make this? I know um, you guys use some high-end stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, everything that I buy is, is sourced in the U.S. Um, I mean, I know some of it's probably coming overseas from where, where they're sourcing it. But, yeah, all the aluminums, you know, U.S. aluminum. Um, I was going to look up this before this call. I believe all laser cut. So all the aluminum is laser cut. Um, and that's done. I think it's in Texas. Um, God bless Texas. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm basically sourcing all the components um, that I can uh, from the U.S. I don't buy anything from overseas. Um, but, yeah, it's, like I said, laser cut, aircraft grade aluminum. Um, all the plastic components are actually 3D printed. Um, it's all 3D printed nylon, which I know it might scare some people as well, but the 3D printing is really come a long ways in the last few years um, there's stuff going into space now that's 3d printed so wow. yeah so these are yeah i mean production quality parts it, i mean i literally cannot break it by hand so it's i mean they're, they're very durable that, that's come a long ways and you know that part of that design of that meter is only possible due to 3d printing it would be difficult to even injection mold some of that stuff um, and ridiculously expensive to machine it out of metal. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Today's day and age, like between, you know, the economics of laser cutting these days and, and 3D printing, it opens up a lot on what you can do. Yeah. And I mean, you're fabbing, like you're customizing parts too. Like you said, to, to buy a mold, to injection mold something, cost of the tooling as well. Like, yeah, this is. It's, it's pretty neat there. And how long does it take you to build one of these things? Uh, right now, it's it's probably about, you know, two to three days. Uh, wow. Of just assembly time. Um, I mean, I can do a couple at a time in that time frame. But, sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, I think on the website, I've got, you know, a one to two week lead time on, on orders. Just again, I don't want to over, over promise and under deliver. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, right now we've, I've got three that are ready to ship. So, you know, there's, there's still time if somebody wants to get one of these to, in time to do their fall planning this this season. Um, yeah, get your orders in and I will get one to you. And and I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be planting fall plots because, uh, well, spring was kind of tough. So yeah. I, can't wait, I can't wait for fall, yeah. actually. Um and with this, we, we got some guys who you're going to be running up and, and uh, we got some guys using the downburst. So have you got made any plans with Andrew or Kevin yet? Uh, not nothing set in stone yet. I think Andy, we're going to um, meet up at his, I think he said it was his father-in-law's place in Cadillac. So cool. uh, looking forward to getting up there and meeting him and, you know, helping them out with, with putting some seed down. So heck yeah. Doug, what what would make this type of cedar, the downburst cedar, you know, different? If you had, could name like two or three things that just separate yourself from the other products on the market, 
what would those be? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost is just seed rate control, um, being able to know exactly what you're putting down um, and without having to practice and trial and error it and do a ton of math to figure that out. Um, you literally just set the machine to the exact seed rate you want and go plant your field and you know 100% it's, it's correct. Um, and to be able to do that, you know, at a price point that's way, way under uh, a grain drill, basically. So, you know, if, if you're kind of, I mean, everybody's got broadcast spreaders and then they work, you know, they work well for certain, but um, when you're doing small plots with tiny seed and you want to get that seed, basically you want to know where you're putting that seed. Um, there's really nothing else like this out there um, that can do that unless you get up into the double digit thousands of dollars uh, grain drill. So that's um, when you're calibrating, how long would it take to calibrate this versus a, a grain drill? Do you know that answer? Uh, I mean, I can calibrate it in really less than five minutes. Um, that's pretty, that's a pretty distinct advantage. Because I kind of have a, you know, uh, I've done it enough times that you get very efficient at it, but I would say, you know, less than 10 minutes, anybody can do it. Um, yeah, it's essentially, like you said, you're going to set the meter based on the seed rate table uh, for what you've got. And then as use that as a starting point. And then you just give 25 turns of the wheel, catch the seed and weigh it. And then there's a calibration factor. So you just divide that weight by the, the calibration factor and that gives you exactly the, the pounds per acre that it's putting down. Um, so if that's a little bit off, then you just make a small adjustment on the meter and repeat until you get to, you know, what you want to put down. And really, like I said, I mean, once you do it a few times, it's, it typically takes me, you know, two adjustments. The initial adjustment, I see what it is. Okay, I'm, a, you know, three quarters of a pound per acre light. And, you you know, you can look at the C-rate table and, and say, okay, that's three quarters of a turn is going to get me there. Do that, weigh it again, and it's usually, yeah, within 1% of that. So, wow. Yeah, it's very quick. You don't have to um, spread a tarp out and try and catch the seed. I mean, that's the other thing I looked at when I was researching drills was, okay, my whole thing here is I want to know how much seed. So, and they all say you must calibrate. They don't even really, they have seed rate tables, but there's big print everywhere. This is just a starting point. You must calibrate. Um, and a lot of those, yeah, you've got to, you know, do your own math, like based on the width of the machine. Um, a lot of them, you've got to literally drive it you know, say 200 feet and obviously you can't catch the seed while it's driving. So now you, you basically put five pounds of seed in, drive it 200 feet and then somehow take the seed out and weigh it. I mean, there's a lot of just, yeah, reading the instruction manual for every grain drill on the market that, that publishes their instruction manual online was pretty eye-opening. Like there's really, there's very few machines that make it easy to calibrate, you know, they're all pretty involved processes. Um, so that was a goal of mine is how do I make this as simple as possible? So, you know, it's literally 10 minutes. You do need a, a digital scale to weigh the seed, but, and a calculator to, to do that one calculation, but. Yeah. 
I think it's uh, if you go if you research everything out there, this is I think by far the easiest one to to do. And well, that's quickest, so. yeah, it's kind of what the whole why I like your product, the whole just ease of use, save time, be efficient. I try to do that with everything I can. So in terms of equipment, just pulling up, plugging it in and going and you're off, you know, five minute, five minute calibration yeah. and seed. There, there's no, I mean, in a precise manner too, very precise manner than 1%, 5%. That's pretty efficient, pretty quick stuff. Yeah. Guys who are looking to save time and, and pack. Yeah. I think on one weekend (laughs) for those guys. (laughs) I've been, I've been trying to put some videos out kind of showing all these different things. And that is one that's on the list that I haven't done yet. It's just a a start to finish, like pull up, pull it out of the truck, put it on the machine, calibrate it and go plant and just see, you know, what is that? The total time to say, do you, you know, a half an acre plot or something from, pulling in the gate to being done on the field, you know, like just yeah, to show yeah, cool this really is going to make things a lot easier for you. <laughs> Heck yeah. Doug, what else did we have on here? Any other questions or things we might've, you might've missed? Uh, I think we kind of hit, hit most of the points that, uh, I know there is a, I know there is a uh, discount code for podcast listeners. Yeah. So yeah. If you nice use, enough to do that. That's a big freaking deal. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, Jared, I, this has been my, my favorite podcast for a lot of, a lot of years. Oh, um, thanks. I think ever since I kind of jumped back into this world back in 2017, I started 2018, kind of got into podcasts and this was one of the first ones that I started listening to and so yeah, I mean, I have learned a ton here, so I'm happy to to try and give back a little bit and yeah, and offer all the listeners here that that ten percent off. So yeah, I guess HP ten. If you use that at checkout, you'll get ten percent off the cedar. So. Heck yeah, downburstcedars.com. That's awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, Doug. Really appreciate you and and the support of the podcast and. Um, like I said, when I first saw that machine, it's a piece of art. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's not even a, an implement. It's a piece of art. Um, it's, it's freaking cool. So congrats on getting the business going and uh, yeah, hopefully get some of these in some listeners hands here soon. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Looking forward to, to getting this thing into as many people's hands as we can. And yeah, see where this thing goes. So cool. awesome. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll put the YouTube link below for those who haven't seen it in action yet or on your website, downburstcedars.com. There's all, he's got yeah. videos, he's got pictures, everything's on there. You guys want to check these cedars out. They're pretty awesome. And um, yeah, a little bit more media coming too. You know, we'll, we'll keep producing some stuff and uh, get some videos going. Some, it'd be awesome. So just uh, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, 
and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors. Vitalized Seed Company at vitalizedseed.com. Exodus Outdoor Gear. Packer Max Cultipackers. Morse Nursery. Acres.com. Downburst Cedars. First Light. United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Mm-hmm.